Welcome to another episode of PodX and what I can promise you is that this one's not going to be a boring one and you're going to learn a lot about a topic which I really find interesting, that is investing. Our guest for today is someone who has knowledge and experience in this field and his name is Ved Vyas. Ved graduated from Imperial College London with a degree in Electrical and Electronic Engineering and he's a CFA, Charter Holder, Charter Holder, Ved specializes in managing global multi-asset portfolios using ETFs and high domestical funds. Wade has managed ETF-based client portfolios for over five years. Wade started his career as an analyst with UBS Investment Bank London. He has experience of working in capital markets and corporate finance in Europe and Asia. Wade has performed several roles in his career, such as investment banker, equity research analyst, institute equity sales, portfolio manager, and a CFO for a Bangkok-based hospitality company. So, Ved, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Like, you have so much of knowledge in this field. This is more like a tuition for me. Like, I'm going to be learning so much from this one. Thanks, Ayush. No, uh, it's it's uh, great to be here, and uh, I'm very happy to answer any questions you might have. So, like for today's episode, I'm going to explore the different investment options because a lot of us have very limited investment knowledge. So we are either stuck on one type, it is either real estate or bonds or stocks. We don't really know the various different options. So I'm going to talk about this and also some basic financial literacy for someone who is 20 years old or younger and watching this. So wait, before sure. we start and dive in, tell us a bit about yourself other than what I said in the introduction. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so as we were discussing earlier, I moved to Bangkok when I was nine. I moved here with my family. I, went, I completed my schooling over here. Then uh, I went to London to do my university. Then I started working over there in banking and stuff like that. Um, for a short while, and this is something that you have not mentioned in the profile, for a short while, I wanted to break away from finance because it was getting... Um, too technical and, uh, and intense for me and I wanted to explore my creative side. So I moved to Bombay for a couple of years where I learned acting and I wanted to become an actor for a while. So that's something that a lot of people don't know about me. So hopefully I can bring a little bit of that showbiz to today's conversation as well. But yeah, yeah uh, happy to take any questions about, about um, investments and th things like that. So fire away. So why should a person, why should people start investing? Why is it a necessity? Okay, it's not, it's not a necessity. Um, it's, um, it's just good uh, financial planning. If, if you've got money, I think all of us would uh, want to firstly save it. Um, and, and you know, the, the benefits of saving are pretty obvious. You may not require some of the money today that might be more useful for you tomorrow. Like maybe you are working towards a goal like going to university or, or having children and, and funding their expenses. And, and there are several other things you might want to invest uh, in, in, in a bigger house in the future, for example. So that's, that's as far as saving uh, goes. Now, whilst you're saving your money, the second step could be investing, which is to make sure that your money is not just sitting there idly in a bank account, um, but it's also generating some return. Of course, bank accounts themselves also give you some uh, interest on deposits. So that's also a form of uh, investment in itself. But people choose to invest this money in other vehicles like stocks, bonds, real estate, and things that you mentioned before. So the idea is that you can put this money that you're saving up and also have it grow over time. And the real reason that I would recommend investing for people. is Money compounds when you invest it. So say, for example, you are earning five to 10% returns on an investment every year. Might not, it might not really sound like a lot on a single year basis, but um, when you do this for a long enough time, the compounding effect really makes the money grow. So in about 15 years, uh, 10 to 15 years, you could maybe look at doubling your money. If you invest $1 today, in about 30 years time, it could be worth $5 or $10 or something like that. So if you want your, the, the money that you're saving for a better future tomorrow to grow as well, then people should consider investing. I also wanted to ask you about the technical terms which we spoke about. So what is a CFA? Like what is your role? Like what is a CFA? What do you do? Okay, so CFA is... Um, 
is an academic qualification which is offered by an American institute. It's the CFA Institute. Um, it started off as an American institute. I think today it's pretty global. It stands for Chartered Financial Analyst. And um, basically, if, if you have to get this charter, you have to do three levels of examinations, um, which are held uh, almost on an annual basis. And most people do this uh, simultaneously whilst they're working as well. So they study as they're working and then they sit for these exams. The aim of uh, the CFA curriculum is to prepare individuals for a career in finance. So it's very broad. It's not very specific like, okay, you want to be a stockbroker. It's a test only for that. Or you want to be maybe a CFO of a company or you want to manage the finances of a company or maybe you want to be a portfolio manager or whatever, you know, different roles within finance. It covers the whole spectrum. So it's, it's very extensive and it's also very intensive. Um, it goes quite deep as well. That's why it's done over three different levels. So for anybody who wants a career in finance, I think doing a CFA um, could be a very good option. I actually have a video on why one must do a CFA in order to improve your career in finance. I think it's, it's really helped me as well. And I think um, a lot of com uh, companies around the world, they value the CFA charter because once you have this, um, you know, CFA charter next to your name or on your CV, then there's a certain degree of trust and comfort that your company feels hiring you, that clients who you're dealing with, they also feel more comfortable that, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. So it's just like, you know, um, say for example, if you are, if you are, if you want to be a doctor, you have to do certain degrees and diplomas. It's, it's something like that for finance professionals. So can it be done at any university or like are there any, it's only done in certain universities or something? It's not a university based thing at all. Uh, in fact, I think anybody can subscribe to it online. I don't have the exact amounts, but I think um, you have to, um, the, the enrolling fees is uh, a few hundred dollars. And then um, once you get your charter, you have to pay uh, annual dues in order to maintain your membership for this. Um, by being a member of the CFA Institute, you get access to their research, you get access to um, a network of uh, fellow CFAs all around the world, and it can be done by anybody. I think um, I'm not entirely sure if there is a prerequisite, like somebody has to finish their graduate degree before or not, but I think as far as I can understand, it is really open for anybody, but it helps if you have a certain basic knowledge um, of mathematics, of finance, uh, before you go in, into doing this. But I, I would highly recommend it to anybody, even maybe people who haven't really made up their mind, but eventually want to see themselves in the finance field to start doing some research and start thinking about it today. So when it comes to investing, what are like the ABCs of it? Like what should we invest in? Should we invest in bonds, real estate, or stock, or what do we do in? Like, how do we, what is the basics of the ABCs? Right. Um, so a couple of things I've already mentioned so far. I'll, I'll reiterate that as well. One thing that um, I'd like to clarify here is there's a bit of confusion out there when people think about investing. Um, because a lot of people think of investing uh, like, I can buy this stock today and then I can sell it for a higher price tomorrow and I can become rich very quickly. Um, when I talk to my clients about investing, I don't talk about it in terms of a get rich quick sort of a scheme. It's, it's for the long term. You get into a disciplined habit of saving a little bit of your money, investing along the way and, and really sticking to some sort of a method to it. And, and always uh, think about what this money is going to do in the long term. Because if you think very short term, um, it can bring emotions into play. And, and, and that's not really investing anyway. If you're thinking of like, oh, you know what, say for example, Tesla share is down quite a lot. Let me buy it and maybe I will sell it when it goes up 30, 40, 50% and I'll, I'll make a lot of money about it. That's called trading. That's a very different skill set. And, um, and, and, and people do get trained to become professional traders as well. And I think people who want to aspire to become traders, that's great as well. But what we're talking about here is investing. So the first point of investing in my view would be take a long-term approach. 
invest only the part of money that you have that you know you're not going to need over the next five to 10 years. You know, there should be the money that you kind of keep aside and say, okay, this is like a very long-term fixed deposit for me, which I'm going to compound over time and grow over time. Because if that's not the case, if you are using money that you might need, say, for example, six months down the road or one, one year down the road, then imagine if the stock market goes down by 30 or 40%, as it recently did because of the coronavirus, you will panic, your emotions will kick in and you will be reading all the news, which is all very bad. And you will make poor investment decisions, which is like selling at the worst possible times. Because, you know, your heart is into it. You're, you're kind of on the edge of your seat all the time because you need this money. Sometimes people do that. They're like, oh, you know what? Let's say I've got uh, $10,000. I really have this thing coming up next year where I, I might need $20,000. Let me invest it. Maybe I can turn this 10000 into 20000 and then I can use it next year. No, that might work in your favor. Sometimes you might hear success stories of that nature, but that's almost like, you know, you can use any example from any other field as well. Even if you want to move into health and fitness, for example, you can't do it overnight. You've got to have a long-term plan and stick to it. Only then does it start to show results. So even with investing, not have a trading mentality, have a long-term investing mentality. And then the second question that you asked, where should I invest this money? Should it be stocks? Should it be bonds? Should it be real estate? Well, this is what we call in finance asset allocation. So, you know, you have the opportunity of investing your money in all these different asset classes. Where do I actually invest? And this really depends on um, two or three major things. The first one is what's your time horizon. All right. So say, for example, if somebody like Ayush is investing right now, he's very young and his parents are starting to give him something and he's also earning something on the side, he's saving it. And he's got a very long-term investment horizon, you know, because um, you are somebody who is not going to say, for example, retire in the next 40, 50 years. So you've got a really long-term uh, uh, retirement horizon. And let's say you are investing, you, are, you have got an investment portfolio, which you are doing purely because you want to have some retirement funds for yourself then you've got a very long-term time horizon. If you have a long-term time horizon, it immediately increases the amount of risk you can take. Why? Because say, for example, you suffer some losses over the next five years. You still have 30, 40, 50 years left to make up for those losses. In the long term, you will still be able to grow your money. If we are looking, on the other hand, at somebody who is, let's say, um, post-retirement already, they need this money to sort of fund their expenses and things like that. Um, then their time horizon is set to be smaller, in which case the amount of risk these guys can take will be proportionately uh, smaller as well. Now, different asset classes have different risk and return profile. That's, that's important to understand as well. So stocks compared to bonds are more risky. But stocks, um, and, and one thing that everybody has got to understand is if you're taking more risk, in any investment, you want higher returns. That's the only reason why you're taking more risk, right? So stocks, stocks are more risky than bonds are, and bonds are considered to be one of the safest ones, um, maybe aside from just putting your money in cash in a bank account or something like that. Bonds are considered to be more safe. Um, equity stocks are considered to be more risky. And real estate can be considered also a fairly risky one as well. Plus, it's, it's not as liquid as stocks are. So real estate, uh, what I mean by liquidity is stocks, if I buy today, if I want to sell them tomorrow, I can do it because there's a exchange out there. There will be people who will be willing to buy it at the market price. If I have a large piece of land, for example, I can't expect to do that overnight. If say, for example, I've got a piece of land and I want that cash tomorrow for whatever reason, it's not very easy for me to buy, uh, find a buyer and then sell it overnight and get that cash. It will take me some time. I have to go to an agent. The agent has to find a buyer. So the real estate investments can be a bit illiquid, um, which makes them slightly more risky, which means that they should offer us more returns. So uh, in, in the order of risky, maybe you got real estate right up there. And that's why you might have noticed a lot of people who have invested in real estate have really grown their money quite a lot as well because it's risky and it's illiquid, but it also can provide uh, higher long-term returns. So it's real estate, then it's stocks maybe, and then it's bonds. We can talk about other ones, but in the major asset classes, 
this is the sort of risk profile. And then we were talking about the time horizon. The other thing that determines where you should invest is your capacity and your willingness to take risk. All right. So let's, let's address both of these individually. Your capacity to take risk depends on how much money you have and how much immediate financial needs you might have. So let's say, for example, somebody who's got a lot of, um, lot of uh, capital lying around, a lot of wealth. He's, he's quite wealthy. And um, if he looks at his long-term plans, he hasn't really got any immediate need. He's got his cash on the side with which he can fund his expenses and he can live his lifestyle and everything. And then he's got a separate bit which he wants to invest. Now, this person automatically has a high capacity to take risk. All right. So this is what determines your capacity to take risk. How much capital do you have? And do you have any immediate need for these funds that you're investing? If not, then your capacity is very high. The second thing within this is willingness to take risk. Willingness is like an emotional thing. Somebody might have the capacity. He might have a lot of money, but he's just like, man, I don't want to take any risk. I'm a very averse person. That's my personality type. I don't like to take much risk. I want to be safe. So these things are to be considered. What is your investment horizon? Is it 30, 40, 50 years? What's your capacity to take risk? And what's your willingness to take risk? So if you've got a long-term investment horizon, you've got high capacity to take risk and high willingness to take risk. If all three are checked, then you should invest more of your money in something like real estate and stocks. If, you, if your investment horizon is short, if your capacity to take risk is low and your willingness to take risk is low, or if any of these is low, then you should put more of your money into safer assets like bonds or a fixed deposit in a bank and still put a little bit, about 20 to 30% should still go into say bonds and real estate. So, it is a bit of a spectrum. So on the one hand, you might have somebody who's investing um, 70, 80% in risky assets. And when we say risky asset, things like equities, real estate, these days you even got, you know, cryptocurrencies that people are investing in. These are all very risky assets, but these guys should also invest some of their money in bonds and in, in, in a bit of fixed deposit as well. And on the other end of the spectrum, you got the safe guys who should invest 70, 80% in fixed deposit and in bonds and things like that. And 20, 30% should still go to risky assets. So it's, it's, it's a mix between the two. So about the younger generation, you said that when they're usually younger, they have a higher risk appetite, but what happens is they have a lower capital to invest in. So do you think they should take, or they should start off with loans or something? So maybe if they want no, to invest no, in loans, no, no, not at all. No, I, I mean, that's something that I want uh, that, that becomes, that takes a risky investment strategy and makes it risky plus plus <laughs> that's, you can do it. Some people like uh, the adrenaline, they like the thrill of things, but that's not investing. That's again, going back into your trading mentality where you're doing it for the rush, where you want to tell your friends, Hey dude, I made so much money on this investment. Look overnight. I, you know, grew my money like that. So it, Yes, you're very right in saying younger people might not have so much capital. What do they do? We talked about three things. Investment horizon. How, how long do you have to invest your money? Capacity to take risk and willingness to take risk. If somebody has low amount of capital today, they have a low capacity to take risk and they should acknowledge that. What does that mean? Should they not take any risk? No, you can still take risk. But if your capacity to take risk uh, is low, then you want to be on the safe side. You want to start investing a little bit um, and, and still because you're young, like, like we said, your investment horizon is long. Start with small amounts, start with whatever you can get, you know, and, and, and another thing to um, say over here is that every investor during their lifetime of investment will make mistakes and they will make poor investment decisions. Everyone, nearly everyone will make that. Some investors are lucky that they can learn from their mistakes and that's what makes them successful investors in the long term. Now, if you are going to make mistakes in your life, I think you would agree that it's better to make these mistakes early on in your life because you still got time to work on it and I learn from it, it. And, and, and do it with small money. You don't want to be doing it with millions of dollars. 
if you learn your lessons early with a few hundred rupees or a few thousand rupees, a few 10,000 rupees or something like that, it's better to do it early, learn from it and say, okay, you know what? I made these mistakes. Now I'm not going to make these mistakes in the future. Because it's really when you make your own mistakes that they stick with you in the heart. You can go and read books and stuff like that of what the common mistakes are and how to avoid them and stuff like that. But there's a difference between academic knowledge and practical knowledge. And practical knowledge comes when you invest, you get burnt, you really lose, you feel bad about it. And you're like, I'm never doing that again. So for young people who have low amount of capital, start small, right? Start small, maybe invest whatever little bit that you can have in, in a diversified portfolio. That's the other thing that's important. Don't just buy one stock of one company. If you don't have enough capital to buy many different stocks, start with one stock. And then the next time you have more money, use that money to buy a new stock and then new stock and new stock. And then also have a little bit of this money lying in a fixed deposit account somewhere. Um, spread out your investment risk. You don't want, because let's say you really like one company right now and you're like, I want to buy the stock of this company. Sure. But what happens if something bad happens to this company? What happens if the management changes? What happens if the regulations change? and the company cannot continue to do the business the way they were doing, then your, then your investment is at risk. So you want to diversify it out. If you, if you don't have a large amount of money to start today, start small. Maybe start with just buying a single stock or a single mutual fund. Mutual fund is a basket of many different stocks. So that's a good way to diversify your risk up in front as well. Invest in that mutual fund. See what your money is doing. Don't get emotional about it. Never get emotional about your investments. That is the sign of a bad investor. Right? It's, it's, it's like, um, I, I, I'm struggling for other analogies here, but it's like a poker game. If you get, if you get emotional when you're playing poker, I don't know if you, if you know about the game, but all the other players on the table can read you. Yeah, and they see them by your face. Exactly. And that makes you a poor investor as well. So because the, the, reason is very simple, right? If you're emotional about it, if you're thinking late at night, oh my God, all my money is in this one stock or in, in the stock market and the stock market is collapsing 30%. What am I going to do? I need this money for this particular reason. Then you are going to be in a state of panic. And in a state of panic, you're going to be reading news. News is going to be really bad at the time when the stock market is at its bottom. And you will sell at that time. And then you will say, I never want to invest in my life again. I think 90% or a large percent of investors who try their hand at stock investing end up there. They buy, they buy at the peak because everybody is buying at that period. You know, their friends are making money in a stock market. Uh, their family might be making, they're saying to them, Hey dude, you should also invest in the stock market right now. They go in right at the top and then the market corrects. Um, and then they panic. And then they get out and they say, you know what? I'm never investing in stocks ever in my life again. So you want to avoid doing that. You want to think less about, you know, what's happening to the stock market from one month to the next, from one year to the next, and really say, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to be aware of what's happening to my portfolio. It's not like I'm going to turn a blind eye, but I'm not going to get emotional about it. I understand that my money is going to go down and up, down and up. But in the long term, when I look back 30, 40 years from now, it would have grown so much that all of this won't matter anymore. That's what you're shooting for. I think even uh, what usually sometimes what I do is I look at the charts of stocks. So if you look at it on a, there are different ways on Google. You can see the five days, you can see for a month, a six month in a year, and then you can see it to the maximum. So what happens is there's an up, there comes a dip, but then it always rises up. So the market corrects. But is it always that every stock will have to go up? No, absolutely not. Um, let's, let's consider some very famous companies that have not really done well, right? Like, let's say, for example, um, Kodak um, is a very good example in the corporate world where it was once a leader in, in the space of photography. Um, and, and then digital cameras came about and then Kodak really was not a good performing company. So stocks reflect how well a company is doing. Now, when you say I've looked at these charts, um, you, you, you are looking at companies that, that, that are usually successful. Like if you look at the chart of Amazon, for example, right now, um, I'm going to use examples of American companies. You can pitch in some Indian stocks if you want to. 
happy to happy to discuss some of those as well but say for example if you're looking like a company uh, like amazon or google or apple or tesla as well recently if you look at their share prices they kind of keep going, doing that that is a sign of a successful company so um to answer your question is it is it necessary that in the long term every company's stock has to go up no absolutely not stocks of successful companies will go up and 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 why is that it's because if you're at the end of the day you got to understand what a stock is right you're buying ownership into a business it's like let's say for example ayush starts a business and then he says i'm going to make two stocks of this company one i'm going to keep one i'm going to give to ved so if ved buys that stock then ved is suddenly 50% owner of this combined company that we have now how are we going to make money on this investment we're not just going to make money on this investment because we made two stocks and now we have put them on the stock exchange and their share price will go up no there's no reason for that the the way it's going to go up is um we both started this business two stocks we both put some money into it let's say we put 100 dollars each now we've got to do something with this combined 200 dollars so that in a year's time this 200 dollars worth more in 10 years time this 200 dollars worth more so what have we got to do we got to put this 200 dollars that we have put together this is called the capital of the business and then we've got to start doing some business with it maybe we want to you know have a business where say for example like right now on zoom we are um, explaining to people how to be better investors and we make a business out of that and people come in and they subscribe onto this service and we start to make some revenues and then we have our expenses and stuff like that overall we we become a profitable business over time our profits grow which means our 200 dollar business could in 10 years time become a 20000 dollar business that way the value of my stock because i'm still a 50% owner in this business right so you see yeah. what happened if we made this 200 dollar business into a 20000 dollar business i bought my first share in your company for 100 dollars in 10 years time when the business is worth 20000 i have taken that 100 dollar and turned it into 10000 dollar that's a successful investment that's what we are trying to do with stock investment so when you when you are investing in stocks you are literally becoming a part owner in that business so always think like that that's another very important thing to remember you're not just doing it because stock investing in itself is very good um ideally you want to buy stocks of a company which is a good business which is going to be around in the long term that's that's one of the simplest thing you got to ask yourself are these guys doing something that's going to be doing well for the long term and then some of the other questions you got to ask is okay fine if this business is going to do really well am i getting this stock for a decent price like say for example if you go to the store to buy yourself a shirt you might really like a shirt but there is a certain price you're willing to pay for it as well right Yeah. you won't just pay any any odd amount if, if you know if you went with a budget of like say for example um 1000 rupees to buy a really nice shirt for yourself and and you got to the store and and you found a shirt that was worth 1 million rupees you're not going to pay it. even though it might be the best shirt in the world you're like okay this is not what i'm willing to pay so first you have to ask yourself the companies that i'm investing in are they good companies are they going to be around is their product really important for the society that it's going to survive over the next 10 20 years and then second for that good business am i having to pay a good enough price now that's that's a topic we can dive into in a in a completely separate video of how to determine what's a good price but these are some of the things that you got to look into so good question just investing in stock does not mean that it will go up like say for example if you look at the chart of amazon or apple or google or facebook or some of these companies has done they have done well because um they keep growing their business and they keep growing their business faster than anybody in the market expects them to and that's why they've been able to take that 100 dollar business that we started off with and turn it into a multi billion dollar business you know think about facebook for example it started off in a college dorm room in 2000 something 2004. very early 2000 yeah exactly 2004 i think um i was in university at that time and our university was one of the first universities in the uk to get facebook we we actually wrote to facebook at that point we were like we really like your platform we'd like to get it so i think in late 2005 or something we got it in imperial as well 
So you can see it started in a college dorm uh, in 2004 and 15, 16 years later, we're talking about a company that's got billions of users across the planet. Everybody knows it. So that's a good investment. Even I if you can identify businesses, that's it. I think I'm not sure this is my thinking. So I've not had any experience or anything, but if I was supposed to right now, I can't, I'm 17. So I'm not legally allowed to invest. But if I could, I think I would really invest in the stock in something like a product that I use. So let's say there's two toothpaste, like there's Colgate and there's A and B. So I use uh, toothpaste A and almost everyone uses toothpaste A. But the stock price of toothpaste B is going up a lot more. But I would still invest in toothpaste A because in the long run, even everyone is using it. So I feel that will do better. While toothpaste B, the uh, people stop using it or there's a lesser amount of people using it. Would that also hold true for it? Okay, you you asked two things. So let's address uh, both of them individually first. So first you said you're not legally allowed to invest, which is a very good constraint. Uh, of course you're not. But um, one thing that you can do, we, we spoke about making mistakes and making them early, right? Yeah. So that we can learn from them. So one of the things that you can do is you don't really have to in invest, invest. You can run dummy portfolios. You can say, okay, you know what? I'm going to be disciplined about I it. Have done that. I have done that. I have actually done there that, you, which is with Monopoly. I had actually taken out a thousand rupees, which is a thousand worth of thousand note. And I had actually done it in a, a dummy portfolio, like you said, which was due to the COVID-19. I was very bored. And so I started <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. Right. You, you kind of, you don't really have to, of course, when it's your real money and you invest it outside of a dummy portfolio in a real portfolio, it gives you that little bit of, you have to get emotional sometimes. And then, and only then do you realize, okay, I was getting very emotional about that trade. And, and trust me, you know, I've said this so many times during this, uh, during this call of ours as well. Don't get emotional. Don't get emotional. I have been emotional about my trades, even at work. And it's not a good thing, but you learn over time that it's not helping you be a better investor, right? So you, you learn from your mistakes and, and dummy portfolio is a good way for those who don't really have access to investing right now to start learning, to start reading, to start seeing, okay, you know what? I invested in this. It didn't really go according to plan. What went wrong? You know, how can I improve myself in the future? Now, the second thing that you said, I like to invest in things that I kind of see around me. This is an interesting one because there are two aspects to it. One is, yes, it's important to invest in businesses. And that's if you take somebody like Warren Buffett, for example, he's, he's the classic case of an investor who says, I only invest in businesses. I understand. I don't want to invest in businesses. I have no idea. And that's why Interestingly enough, Warren Buffett has not really invested in a lot of technology companies. He, he, he says, he, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an older gentleman now. I, I, I don't really understand these tech companies. I understand my sell products, buy products, make profit, cash flow, and these sort of things. So I'm going to invest in the old school stuff. So yes, um, there are some investors who are like, I'll, I'll invest in things I understand as a business. But there's a difference between understanding a business and being familiar with the product. The second part, like which you said, I use a toothpaste and I see everybody around me using that toothpaste. That's why I will invest in the stock of that company that makes that toothpaste. In finance, this is called, uh, it's, it's one of the investor biases um, where you are investing in companies. You know, it's almost like I spy with the corner of my eye, uh, a printer on that. So I will invest in that printer. Just because I saw it, I will invest in it. That's not really an investment strategy. So for beginners, I would say when you start with your money, um, I, I like to think of it in, a, in, in, in form of a pyramid, right? So at the bottom, you kind of have the safest things over here. Let's say, let's say for Ayush, we are saying you have a long-term horizon. You don't really have the capacity to take risk, but you have high willingness to take risk. So we are going to make your portfolio something like, 70% um, risky assets. Let's just, let's just keep it to stocks and bonds right now. 70% stocks and 30% in, um, in fixed income or bonds or something like that. So at the bottom most layer, we'll say take 10% of whatever you are saving. We'll put it into a fixed deposit account. 
and 20% of whatever you save, we put it into bonds. The other 70% we'll put into stocks. Now, when we're thinking about these stocks, I would say to most young investors and most investors who are beginners in this space, to take that bit that you want to invest in stocks and rather than finding individual stocks yourself, invest in mutual funds, invest in a diversified portfolio, which gives you at least the market level returns. Because um, the slightly disappointing news in terms of the academic data that's out there is that, you know, when people pick their own stocks, it's called active investing. When people just buy a mutual fund that gives you exposure to like the Sensex or the Nifty or something like that, that's called passive investing. The slightly disappointing news is active investing, which is like picking your own companies in your portfolio, on average has performed worse than passive investing for the last so many years. So you go through all the effort of like, ah, I'm going to invest in this company. I like this company because of that. And you're not even getting market level returns. So as a beginner investor, the first thing would be like, say, for example, if you have set aside 10,000 rupees to invest in stocks, I would take a big part of that six, 7,000 rupees and put it into a mutual fund that at least gives me market level returns. And then I've got still got the 3,000, 4,000 rupees left there. I could start because maybe, you know, there, there might be people out there who want to learn more, who want to be like, no, I want to do better than the market. I would like to invest in stocks that I really, really like that have really high potential. Yes, you can do that, but do it with part of your money and then use that three, 4,000 in going into things like that. Um, and, and, and there, uh, the way you identify and the reason why I'm saying put it into passive is you want to ensure that a big part of your wealth is at least growing at the market level. And then you have another part of your portfolio, which is geared at like, no, I'm going to do my own research. I'm going to understand these businesses myself. And I'm going to say, I like this stock. I think it's undervalued right now. I think it has a lot of potential to give me very high returns in the future. So I will pick over there. But Picking it based on um, things you see around yourself can be a bit of a trap because you might invest in the same sort of, because think of the companies that you kind of see around you. You, you used a very good example. You said toothpaste. You, you might say um, there is a food company. There is like a beverage company like Pepsi and Coca-Cola and things like that. Um, what are the other things that we see around? We go to the mall. We might see some fashion brands over there. The, the brands that kind of capture our imagination are only a very small part of the stock market. You see, I mean, um, I mean, now, nowadays you could say that Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, these are also capturing a lot of our attention, but in any stock market, there are a lot more companies that are working in the background that nobody really hears about on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't really see them as consumer brands. What you're talking about are consumer brands. Right, because we buy their products, we get them in malls and retail and stuff like that. But there are a lot more companies, like say, for example, there is Oracle, which is a technology company which works in the background. Most people don't really know about it, but businesses use it quite a lot. Um, so you've got to concede that as a beginner investor, I will. It's 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 beyond me to try and learn about all these different businesses. That's why I want to buy at least some part of my stock investing should go to buying a mutual fund, which gives me overall exposure. And then I slowly start to learn about the different sectors there are, the different sort of companies there are. How do I understand their financials? How do I say if the company is doing a good job, bad job, what makes a good investment, what makes a poor investment? And you see there are like tens of thousands of companies out there. So you've got to take a baby step kind of an approach where you're like, okay, I'll build my portfolio with the bare basics first. And then slowly I'll start to fine tune it as I go along. I'll educate myself. Um, what a lot of people end up doing is quite the opposite. They have always told themselves one day I'll invest, one day I'll invest. They hear about their friends investing who have made a lot of money on the stock market. And they're like, I will also do it one day. And then finally they have saved up enough and they're like, right now I'm going to invest this in the stock market. And then on day one, they want to be Uh, the Warren Buffett of tomorrow. They're like, I know what's a good investment. This is a really good company. Um, and I'm going to go do that. It's, it's, it's not as simple as that. Because if you think there is a very good company out there, there's a good chance that its share price might have already gone up to a certain level because of that.
because everybody else in the world is also looking at that company. You're not the first person to look at that company. So build your portfolio with the very basic building blocks first. Keep it simple. The simple is easier to manage. And then start to take bits and pieces. I'd say 10 to 20% of your portfolio can be used for things which are like, okay, this is my pet project. This is where I learn. This is where I take extraordinary risk, hoping that, you know, I will do really, really well. And this thing will really, really perform well in the future and grow my money. But most of your portfolio, keep it simple, keep it easy to understand. So what were some of your mistakes which you made and what do you learned from it? I already mentioned um, a couple of those mistakes. I've, I've become, I, you know, when I've had to manage my own money or manage my client's money as well, there have been times when the market suddenly starts to go down and you keep telling yourself, I will not get emotional about it. But then whether you like it or not, every, every one of us reads the news. We have to read the news. We have to know what's going on in the world. It's important to be an informed investor as well. So you sometimes, the news out there is so negative. Um, you, you do get influenced by it. You do get emotional. You're like, oh my God, I should really sell off most of my stocks and, and maybe wait it out right now. Or, uh, or the opposite can also be true where everybody is just saying, you know, the stock markets are up 30% this year and everything is going great. And you might be um, compelled to take more risk than you should. So these are some of the things that you kind of experience. You're like, okay, you know, in hindsight, I can see I did that. Now I need to build systems and methods in order to make sure that I'm not emotional about these things. So over time, um, I've, I've, what I've done is I've implemented systems which are more mathematical where I'm, I'm running my models and things like that, which kind of tell me how much money should be invested in the stock market, how much money should be invested in the bonds and stuff like that. And you try as much as you can, you know, you're still a human being. You're still going to have a little bit of your gut feeling kick in every now and then, but you try to build these systems which you hold yourself accountable to. That's the best way to be less emotional about things. So that's, clearly one of the mistakes that I've made and I've learned from um, several other mistakes as well. Like, like some of the things that we were talking about today um, as an early investor, you are sort of inclined to invest in things that you really see around yourself. Like, Oh, I saw this printer and the printer is HP. I should invest in HP stock. Or I saw that big um, hoarding for I don't know, Nestle uh, out there. And I think Nestle is a really good brand. So I'll buy a Nestle stock. That sort of thing. Um, you, you do tend to do that initially, but you can learn from your mistakes. And I think, again, coming back to one of the things we started off with the CFA, um, even if somebody does not want to go through all the three levels of it and get the full charter, I would encourage young people who want to learn about finance and things like that to at least sign up for the level one exam because that will really set you up for understanding the field of finance for understanding what the common investor mistakes and biases are so that you at least avoid those. And it's amazing how many people out there who are even in the professional finance space are making some mistakes, which you, which you might call common sense mistakes. You don't really have to make very top level advanced mistakes in order to be, you know, like you really, sometimes if you can just take care of the common sense, you've already achieved 99%. So yeah, I would recommend for those who are interested in growing their knowledge about this field to, to look at something like the CFA. It doesn't have to be the CFA. There are, I think, other uh, qualifications around as well. But from my experience, CFA level one alone um, can really set people up for most things they need to know in terms of investing. So I wanted to come towards a bit of real estate investment. So how does one person know what kind of real estate should he, should he invest in? So does he look at the neighborhood? Does he look at where is the location of it? What does he look at it? Like before investing, because real estate is actually a lot of money which you are putting in. Some people put in their life savings a bit into real estate. So how do we look at it? Yeah, I think uh, regarding this particular aspect, I'm sure um, you'll find a lot of more qualified people to talk about it in India. Um, my job is really to invest in real estate securities that are listed on the stock market because that's what I do for the clients. But 
based on my experience and and uh, some of the investments that i've seen say for example my family also made in in india and stuff like that again the sort of the principle of investing remains the same you've really got to ask yourself okay i am investing in an asset right and it can be just like starting your own business always think of investing like you're investing in your own business why would you start a business for example what's the motive behind it the motive behind starting any business is okay i've got so much money lying around with this money i can do something which can grow that money it's it's as simple as that so real estate investment is also similar but like you correctly pointed out you can't just take 10000 rupees and buy real estate right real estate investment is bulkier it it it's bigger in size so people have to consider but the model remains the same i am putting x amount today i would like to grow it to a certain amount that's more than x in the future what's going to do that um and i think as you were asking the question you also answered some of it yourself one thing that you hear about real estate investment all the time is location 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 right it's 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 uh, the one of the most important things why is that important because you want to invest in a property which might be undervalued right now but something is going to happen over there in the future which is going to lift the price of properties over there to give you a, a quick example i've heard of some fast food chains um around the world what they do is they've got a strong brand name right and 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 say for example somebody like mcdonald's when they go into any area um as soon as people realize there's a new mcdonald's opening over there you kind of it's a sign of an urban lifestyle there's going to be malls opening around that area there's going to be more activity there's going to be more commerce there's going to be more demand for land over there basically real estate works on demand supply basis right so if there is going to be a boost in demand and supply is limited then the price of the property is going to go up automatically so a lot of these branded fast food chains what they do is they buy the entire area where they're going to build one little uh, outlet of theirs they'll first go they'll invest in the real estate they'll announce that we are opening a mcdonald's or a starbucks or something like that over there immediately people realize oh my god that area is going to become very very popular in the future the demand is going to go up which means real estate prices are going to go up let's go and build a mall over there let's big go and build a shop over there let's go and build some uh, amusement center or something like that some entertainment point or something like that immediately people flood in the price goes up so that's how you got to think about real estate is there something that's going to bring about a rise in demand the fall in supply typically does not tend to happen but maybe maybe that could also happen but really think about in the future is this asset going to be worth more and why that's the same question you are asking when you investing in stocks as well you know when the first investors in facebook were investing in it they were thinking okay here's a website which a guy at harvard has opened for students of harvard university but in the future this thing could really go global it's that sort of a vision you got to have now whether it be real estate it's stocks it's bonds or whatever you've really got to think in that sense i'm investing in an asset is this asset going to be worth more tomorrow and what's your reason behind it write it down if it works out go back to those reasons and say okay i thought this thing was going to be more attractive because of that it was valued more was it because of the reasons i thought it was or was it something else and then or maybe the opposite happens you kind of write down two three points i really wanted to invest in this asset because i think one two and three are going to happen and then it does not work out like that the price of the asset actually goes down then you go back and you look at it i thought the price was going to go up because of these things did this happen or did this not happen what did i learn from it and then go and repeat the process again it's a slow process it's a disciplined process it's like working out building a strong body you've got to keep at it you got to be consistent you got to keep learning from your mistake you got to keep growing your um uh you got to keep educating yourself as well and and to answer your question on real estate it's a matter of demand but that applies to everything it's important to think more carefully about real estate because it's a larger investment and it's also less liquid like we said there is no exchange 
if tomorrow I want to go and sell this and get some cash for it, I can't really do it. You've got to find a buyer and stuff like that. Um, but yes, it, it, it is a very lucrative investment. A lot of people make a lot of good money on real estate investments. But the way to think about it is same. I've got an asset today. Will the demand for this go up tomorrow? And is that, is that not reflected in the price? Because sometimes it might be. You know, a lot of times bad investment decisions happen when you follow where everybody else is going. It's called herding into an asset. Let's say a new piece of property has come about and you know that there is going to be a mall over there and there's going to be a new school over there. There's going to be a new residential project. Everything's going to be so amazing, five-star quality over there. And you're like, I want to go and invest in it. Well, see what the price of that property has already done in the last few years. If the price has already jumped up 10, 20 times, then maybe you are a bit late to the party. All of the things that you think are great are still there, but maybe you're not getting a good price anymore. So it'll be more expensive. It, it, it has suddenly become more expensive now. So you've got to buy good assets. Good assets are assets that are going to survive in the long term, generate better value for you. And, and then you've got to think this good asset, am I getting it? for the right price. Okay, so I want to end this by what is your advice to anyone who wants to start? So anyone who is just watching this video, this podcast, what is your advice to them? Yeah, so my advice would be start investing. Uh, if you can, uh, you've, you've, you've got to start investing today because like we have mentioned, Investments compound over time. They grow over time. Even a small number like 5%, 10% can mean a huge difference 30, 40 years down the road. So think that way about investments. Don't think of it what you can do in, in, a, in a few months time or a few years time. Have a long-term investment horizon if possible. Um, and um, start making some mistakes today so that you can learn from them, become better and become smarter and become a better investor tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah. And if you are tuned into this particular podcast, for example, um, keep educating yourself. What are we calling this webinar podcast? podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, educate yourself, learn more, read about investment strategies of successful investors, see what fits your style and, uh, and get started small and get started today because, the quicker you get there, the, 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 the smarter you get, the better it's going to be over the long term. So, Wade, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Hopefully, we can have a part two and part three maybe some other time as I get more stuff, as I understand a bit more about this. Keep up the good work and, and thanks for asking some very good questions.